Welcome to the very first of the New Agreements podcasts, a very exciting series where I get to talk to unique leaders in different parts of life and society that will get to tell and talk a bit about their backstory, but also tell us what they think going forward in the future, the new agreement we should have with ourselves, with our people who are living in our homes with us, how we do our spending, or even in how we structure society at large. This first New Agreements episode is with Larry Sanger, the co-founder of Wikipedia. He's a very smart guy. We did it over Zoom because he's out uh, on the west coast of America. Um, So we're still improving the production and the quality. Josh Price is doing a great job trying to pull it all together. But uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. It's a long one. It's the best part of two hours. And it really is a game of two halves. You've got to watch it or listen to it to know what I mean. It's just very interesting thinking about how people can have similar views and different views depending on what part of life we're talking about. Um, I won't say much more than that. Just have a listen. Welcome, Larry to the New Agreements podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks so much for making time again. I guess the last time or the first time we met was in May in Holland at the Next Web, and we got to do a 30-minute quick dive there. Um, but hopefully we'll, under our, on our own terms, we'll have a little bit more time to dive into your background and what you're up to and what's coming next, which is very exciting, and maybe we can explore some new ideas as well, if that's good with you. Let's do it. Why don't you just start by giving us your backstory? I remember before you talked about Alaska and uh, we connected over the the love of huts. But um, why don't you fill us in with your backstory a little bit? Um, Sure. Well, I I was born in the Washington uh, state, uh, in in the state of Washington, uh, in the Seattle area. Um, And we moved up to Alaska when I was seven. And uh, yeah, so um, most of my childhood memories growing up uh, are from there. My dad um, took took us kids, um, you know, fishing and hiking and camping quite a bit. Like I would say, at least once a month um, during the the you know spring through fall, and uh, and skiing in the winter. That was fun. And you know, I got uh, I went to one of the better public schools in Anchorage, Alaska, <laughs> um, and uh, uh, yep, went to Reed College, which is uh, very liberal but also very open-minded. I myself am more a libertarian or conservatarian, um, and and um, but uh, I got I got along pretty well, I think, with uh, with with people um, reasonably. Um, and uh, decided I wanted to be a, a professor of philosophy. Um, so I ended up going to Ohio State and getting my PhD. I actually got my PhD in 2000, just a few months after I had started working on Newpedia, which was, um, you know, the predecessor of Wikipedia. And... Um, so that's the early story, I guess. To, um, 
And out of interest, do you live in a city now or do you live out in the sticks somewhere? I, I live in an exurb, you could call it. Uh, I live sort of in between uh, Pickerington and Canal, Winchester, Ohio, uh, about uh, 25 miles from or 25 minutes from um, Columbus. So the middle of Ohio. I'm just always intrigued by people that grow up in the wild and... I I didn't grow up in the wild. I grew up surrounded by the wild. I grew up in a in a middle class neighborhood, uh, very similar to a lot of of uh, middle class neighborhoods around the United States. It was just in Anchorage. So okay, yeah. I guess I'm just being a bit. Uh, I when I think of Alaska, I just think of just like wide open spaces. But of course, there's going to be uh, normal populace places in Alaska that are still as wild as they get. So yeah. So, okay, cool. So you went and, and, and did your, your PhD in philosophy. And I, I'm, am I right in thinking that your main focus is uh, epistemology? Yeah, well, I mean, um, my, that's, that was my specialization in my, uh, for my dissertation. I also studied a lot of early modern philosophy. So people like Descartes and Locke and Hume and some others. And um, yeah, but... Uh, since since leaving academe and in my own writing on mostly on my blogs a little bit published i i'm i do a lot of think pieces about um uh philosophy of the internet but also a lot about just pure philosophy like uh, uh, lately i've been writing quite a bit about uh, ethics just pure ethics i wrote an essay called uh, why be moral Gave my gave my rundown on that. I also uh, wrote a piece called um, "A Theory of Evil." I, I argue that evil does exist, and that that um, it is. Uh, I, I give a definition, basically, of it, and and various other things. And and can we see those on your blog if people want to go read those recent articles? Yeah, yeah, LarrySanger.org. Nice and simple. Nice and simple. Okay, cool. So, so yeah, then. After Newpedia came the whole Wikipedia journey, um, which is kind of well documented, and and it's you know it's it's we talk about it in our previous conversation. Um, but you you spent how many years of your life building building that platform with others? Um, basically two, um, if you count the predecessor of Wikipedia, Newpedia. I think that counts because it took a, a while to actually figure out what the, the policies should be and to gather the initial community. So the reason that Wikipedia was able to take off so quickly is, is that it was based on, on the community that was already at work on Newpedia. Um, and the policies that that uh, we started with, we had already hammered out, like the the new uh, the neutrality policy. Wikipedia's famous but now abandoned neutrality policy um, uh, began life on on Newpedia. Wikipedia's neutrality policy began life on Newpedia. So, and I guess on a platform like that, that's community driven, the policies and the rules and the frameworks is pretty much everything because you're harnessing energy from the community and it's all about how you funnel it dictates the culture of of the platform especially because it's um because it's collaborative and um you know very early on i declared you know i'm not 
editor-in-chief. I actually want this to act like a wiki because I don't want to sort of like spoil the wiki magic. Um, so I called myself chief instigator as opposed to the editor-in-chief. Um, so, And how do you describe that wiki magic for someone that isn't familiar let's say someone who only consumes wikis and consumes that part of the internet, how would you describe what that wiki magic is? Well, um, as I was telling people, you know, 18 years ago, basically imagine a bulletin board, um, except not just one bulletin board, but a whole series of connected bulletin boards. And anybody can write anything to any of the boards that they want. In fact, all you have to do to create a new bulletin board is to put up a new sticky note and uh, pops into existence and, and another one, you can start working on that. Um, and uh, the idea is uh, that the obvious objection to this is um, if anybody can go and, and without even signing in, which is insane, um, if anybody can go to any page and just start working, why isn't it full of vandalism? And the answer is that ultimately there's a lot more people who care about what the uh, the wiki looks like. Um, and it's a lot easier for them to undo the changes um, than, than the people who just want to mess things up. Um, and that's how it works. Um, and it does actually work that way. And, and uh, I, all, all of the... Uh, other policies and procedures that Wikipedia has added on top of that is just um, elaborations of that basic dynamic of uh, people having to work together on the same pages and trusting that uh, most of the people at work on the site uh, have it, you know, the same goals. Yeah, well, that, that word trust or trusting that you just said, I was... I was going to ask, do you think that in order to get into a project like this and to build a project like this, one needs to have a basic belief and trust that people are going to probably, on average, behave quite well? And, and do you think that's true? And do you think you have that position? Um, that's, a, that's a good question. Um, and it's... It's complicated, right? Um, so I do have that position in general. It's easy to observe when you look at, at how active wikis work that people, they arrive, they don't want to mess things up. If they do, they know that they will be rebuffed. Um, and yet uh, there are people who have agendas um, or who want to mess things up, but in slightly subtle or subtle enough ways, um, we would call them trolls, <laughs> right? Um, they exist for sure. They they have always existed on on Wikipedia. At first, I didn't think they didn't uh, that they would perhaps um, because they didn't like show up right away. Um, but eventually, they'll find you out and and just basically test the limits of the system. Um, and, and some of that's probably helpful, isn't it? Like te the people that test the limits of the system, that probably helps you to keep developing and making the system stronger in a way that's kind of following yeah. nature's model, isn't it? But yeah, it's a software. It's like a software model, right? Um, so I, I, I see what you're saying there. Um, 
but uh, we're talking about social software versus um, just pure uh, machine algorithms. Um, and so when you're when you're testing the system in that way, you're actually testing a social system more than you're testing a system of software. And sure, the system has to be robust, but at the same time, there has to be um, some baseline level of of uh, good will, um, good faith uh, to participate. Now, th this is why when I started a competitor of of Wikipedia. Um, called Citizendium, which failed to thrive, basically. Um, one of the... F What's that? What's that? Well, why, in summary, why do you think it failed to... It's very clear. It's because we were trying to take off at just the moment that Wikipedia was enjoying its, its steepest growth curve. Uh, um, so, yeah, it was that was the wrong time to launch it, for sure. If we, if we had launched it, like, three or four or five years later it would have made all the difference. Um, yeah, but the, one of the things that, that we required um, is that people agree to a uh, basic, a statement of, of basic principles. Um, and uh, I think that in itself actually got rid of, of uh, a sort of social contract, in other words, got rid of a lot of the problems. But I'll, I'll tell you, this is something I've done some some writing about recently. I never published this, and I really should. Um, but but um, I I think one of the main reasons why Wikipedia is as dysfunctional as it is is that it has no way uh, of um, it, no established credible way of solving disputes. So they've, they've got an arbitration committee, um, but that isn't the way that most disputes are solved. They're mostly solved. Those are like only the worst, and that's got all kinds of other problems associated with it. But, but uh, the theoretical way that disputes are supposed to be solved in Wikipedia is by consensus, as if it were possible to actually come up with a consensus on various uh, disputed issues. Well, it's not possible, of course, but people are, are as it were, forced by the system pretend, to pretend that there is one um, and uh, that one is possible. And then uh, people essentially jockey for position um, as, as the, the ones who are, have the authority to declare what the consensus is. Um, so it's so how do you so I, I get I get what you're saying about the limitations with that kind of committee and the, and this like I guess utopic goal of of just achieving a a, a neutral a neutrally framed consensus that's then valid um but how do you think I mean do you have an answer to that do you have a a way that you think disputes should be settled when you're dealing with scale let's say yeah I'll tell you I'll tell you what I've told the the Everpedia guys um, and and uh, that system is not far enough along, hasn't been developed enough to for this to rise up high enough in the <clears throat> uh, priorities. But um, what I told them is there needs to be a uh, community moderation um, 
where where decisions on specific questions which are posed by community members are voted on by um, either either everyone or for some some um, otherwise not involved uh, subset of the community, a jury, as it were. Um, and uh, yeah, because ultimately, uh, all of the, the the debate that goes on in the Wikipedia talk pages, the the discussion pages that are attached to each article, um, it, it it just goes on and on and on for years on certain questions on certain topics. Um, okay, so just to make sure I understand what you're saying, let's say for example we had a global community of a thousand people. And we wanted to decide whether or not we allow shoes inside the building. I mean, a really benign thing, but, you know, um, uh, we can we can choose a better question if you like. But w are you suggesting that that some anybody within the community could pose a question um, and that that question would get kind of voted on by everybody? Or are you suggesting that only certain people would be allowed, um, so you would surface to the selected people, and then only certain people would vote. Or, uh, like, how would you imagine that? Well, by by uh, stating the question in um, in terms of a a real life community, the way that you did, um, would would change certain dynamics, and I wouldn't favor pure democracy in that case. Um, uh, but you know, we're talking about an online community, and maybe a better question would be something like, um, uh, in the article about racism, um, should we have definition A, definition B, or definition C? These are the ones that different gr groups or different forces in the community are getting behind, and so we need to make up our minds and actually fairly decide which one we're going to endorse. Um and so, uh, and then you basically put it to a vote. Um, now, Wikipedia does have a voting mechanism, but but um, there's two problems with it. One, they uh, it's just too easy for people to create sock puppets, and they do. So a sock puppet is just an extra account that you make and control yourself that you pretend is someone else, um, or at least at least that's the bad kind of sock puppet. There are people who who acknowledge that they have multiple accounts for different purposes and they don't overlap and they're okay with that. But you know, if if you've got a potentially one person with many votes, um, that's that's an inherently unfair. And that goes back to Wikipedia's um, uh, anonymity policy, which um, I in a lot of ways, support and respect. I think anonymity is important for freedom of speech, ultimately. Um, on the other hand, uh, it, it makes uh, what has to be like an online polity um, uh, essentially impossible to control in any sort of constitutional way that I can, that I can detect anyway. Yeah, I, I agree. If you if you allow for anonymity, you don't allow for reliability and accountability. It it may allow the actual ideas to be be stronger and be more 
um, as you say, in that kind of freedom of speech way, you're more likely to get more honest speech. But, um, uh, yeah, to actually like run a system that way feels like it's really hard to keep control of the beast. Well, it's... <clears throat> Well, I'll I'll explain the idea uh, later that that I have that that uh, I think will allow um, anonymity, um, but yeah, but so you mentioned Everypedia, which is a if I if if I'm right, it's a um, collection of knowledge bases, um, and the way you reward the creators of the pages is through um, tokens on the system. Is, is that, would that at all get halfway to explaining what it is or tell us a different way? No, that, that's pretty much it. Um, basically, uh, somebody who wants to make an edit is um, granted a certain number of tokens so they can begin to make uh, edits. In order to make an edit, you have to actually um, stake a small number of tokens. Um, you get those tokens back if you're after a certain amount of time. If your uh, edit is accepted by the community, the community basically does an up-down vote on each edit. Um, and uh, you know, if if you are uh, if you are rebuffed, then you're uh, you lose your tokens. Um, and if you uh, if your edit is um, accepted, then you actually get. Uh, a portion of the tokens that are unlocked uh, uh, every day. Um, so in terms of in terms of the things we've referred to already, the dynamics, this is kind of like not just hoping people won't vandalize and relying on the fact that it's easier to take the graffiti down, but actually incentivizing them if they do good art rather than just messing the place up, um, as well as... Am I right in thinking it's it's uh, because of the way the account system works? You don't get the anonymity, so everyone is kind of accounted for, or is that is that not correct? It's possible to be entirely anonymous on on Everpedia, um, but uh, a lot of people do. Um, I think for the usual sorts of you know uh, reputation building purposes, you know um, they do reveal their own real names social rewards that you get from tagging it yeah. to yourself one of the first sorts of articles that uh, that uh, everpedia encourages people to write is an article about themselves uh, about themselves so so it's encouraged rather than mandatory the system doesn't rely on it um you being identifiable but it but there's rewards for doing so in one way or another right it's it's kind of like twitter in that regard yeah building up your social capital as such. Exactly. So I know that you're moving on to work on an exciting new project. And is that an evolution of what your, the, like the journey you've been on, or is it a bit of a sideways step? And can you tell us a bit about it? It's, it's uh, the logical next step. And it's, it's, um, it, it doesn't feel like that much of a change. I'm working on the same idea that I worked on for uh, Everpedia. Um, so, um, the way I like to, to, uh, introduce the idea is, um, just think that all, think of all of the possible, uh, labor that could be expended on encyclopedia articles if people didn't have to go to one place 
to work on one article on each topic, on Wikipedia, I mean, right? Um, imagine all of the, the uh, experts who might write their own articles on topics if, if, uh, if the canonical encyclopedia article in their field weren't already written, basically, um, for uh, some, uh, you know, the, the leading in, uh, encyclopedia in their discipline. Right. Um, the reason that that uh, people are not incentivized to do this is that the the authority, essentially, the, you could call it a, the epistemic authority, the knowledge authority to to um, uh, recognize uh, something as uh, as an accurate statement of what is known on a topic is concentrated in the hands of relatively few groups. Right. And uh, inside Wikipedia and groups like, like that, yeah, like all the encyclopedias, Wikipedia especially, um, and and more broadly, um, like uh, all of the the big publishers and social media companies too, um, they they uh, also constitute and are increasingly wielding um, a, a power to shape the the discourse essentially. Um, well, that's not how blogs work, is it? All right? Um, if you want to write a blog, there's no central blogging authority. And it's not like blogger.com or wordpress.com or, or, or medium um, are, are like the places to go to if you want to write a blog and be heard. No. Why is that? Because there is a standard for uh, blogging. Um, RSS, really simple syndication, and also the ATOM standard. These standards, they, they define the format of blog posts, and they, um, they create a, uh, a uniform output for when somebody creates a blog. Um, and then it's really easy uh, for a programmer then to create a blog reader, or for that matter, to enable them to uh, enable bloggers to move their blog from one platform to another platform. It's not that difficult because RSS allows that, that sort of portability. And crucially, who owns RSS? It's just a, uh, the, the standard is, is developed by, um, I know it's hosted in Harvard. I don't actually know who hosts or who develops RSS, but it doesn't matter, right? Because it's a neutral technical standard, and the people who develop the standard are have have written it in their wisdom and good good sense have have written it in a way that doesn't impose any sort of editorial restrictions on what people may put on their blogs. And, and that's what I mean, because it's not housed in a corporate vehicle with a corporate agenda or backed by a finance group. It's an open standard. It's, it allows for that simple purity where, as you use the word wisdom, you, you, you believe that the reason it exists is not for any particular agenda, just because it's a helpful tool to help people communicate, like kind of the way the web should be. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's it's an open standard. You say like the web should be. So in that, uh, it, it uh, resembles email. It resembles uh, the World Wide Web um, and a, a few other technologies that are truly decentralized. They are centerless. 
Um, uh, there is no uh, top-down control. Um, totally democratic. That's how the internet used to be. <laughs> okay, so if if we have RSS, the open standard here, and we have Zuckerberg's Facebook here, where where on that continuum would you place uh, Wikipedia at this point? It's a lot closer to the Facebook model. Um, so even though it's run by a foundation, um, uh, like funded by a foundation, um, the, the way the power structure works and decisions are made feels a lot more to you like the corporate end of the spectrum rather than the open end. Yeah, mainly because it's just it's centralized um, and and uh, and controlled. It isn't stop top down controlled, but it's controlled by it's basically an oligarchy. Um, so, um, yeah. OK, well, why don't we create in the same way uh, that there is a blogosphere defined by RSS for blogs? We need to create an encyclosphere um, defined by a new technical uh, standard for encyclopedias um, for in communicating encyclopedic information, in other words, um, and uh, basically enable people to publish feeds of encyclopedia articles and other people to create encyclopedia article readers um, and uh, then let a thousand flowers bloom. You're all drawing from the same uh, uh, shared commons of encyclopedia articles instead of having to go to Wikipedia or, for that matter, Evropedia. Now, the, the role of Evropedia, and this is kind of to get back to the, the question you were asking earlier, like, is this a continuation of your work on Evropedia? The answer is yes. Uh, Evropedia wants to use the standards that, that I'm going to be developing um, for uh, uh, basically gathering uh, articles and cataloging arg articles in, uh, in its IQ network, basically. So the IQ, right now, all of their articles are, are drawn from everpedia.org, but they want to basically eventually become a catalog of all the encyclopedia articles that are out there and be the first app that does that. But they don't have to be the last by any means because they will be just another encyclopedia reader. Okay. Interesting. And this is going to be a really dumb question of, uh, of a multitude of different questions. Uh, why didn't you do this 15 years ago? Why, why isn't this the thing that you built at the beginning of the journey? Didn't think of it. Didn't understand the, um, uh, didn't understand about open standards. Um, there's a lot that I didn't understand. I didn't actually have the idea for this until like 2014. Oh, fair enough then. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, that's after actually making a, a, uh, a rating site for, for uh, educational videos for kids called Watch Know, and now it's called Watch Know Learn um, under, under somebody else's um, supervision. Um, yeah, and, and, and so I, I, the, the whole idea of like finding all the kinds of content of a certain kind and then putting it in rank order, uh, having inviting a, a, a distributed community to, to rank uh, all of the, well, in that case, uh, videos about a particular topic. Um, it's actually a very powerful idea. And that, that website is actually very useful to teachers, I'm, I'm proud to say.
but um, but uh, you know, just generalizing the idea. I didn't really get serious about doing. It. I'm sure I had the idea before, but I didn't really get serious about articulating it. Get really excited about it until about 2014. And uh, well, it's amazing because I, the way you explain the logic to me and comparing to RSS, which I understand, makes it feel so such a log logical thing. And how could we not have this tool? Why do we not demand it? And I guess my next logical question is. How do how do you intend to protect the idea to keep it simple and open and free so that some other Zuckerberg doesn't come along and go, oh, that's a great idea, Larry. How how am I going to make a pretty penny from capitalizing on this good and open idea? Yeah. So this is why I'm leaving Everpedia and starting an independent knowledge standards foundation. So that's what it's called. Um and uh, I have, um, you're the first person I've told. Um, I'm on it. Thank you. Yeah, well, I, um, uh, that's just because we happen to have this set up for, <laughs> and the news is, I'm not going to hide the news. <laughs> no, Larry, you've been waiting to tell me. You've been, <laughs> no, I get it. I, I'm, no, so, um, uh, not just the uh, the foundation, uh, um, but the fact that um, I'm I've given back all of my equity. It's like I'm, I didn't take any money for it, um, and and uh, I didn't have any of IQ tokens to cash in. So I I have not. Basically, they paid my salary, and now it's done. All right, and and the idea is. Um, uh, they don't owe me any favors. I don't owe them any favors. Um, I'm not even an advisor of theirs any any longer. Now, this is not to say that we're unfriendly or anything. We're still perfectly friendly. No, but you're a free man. You're untethered. I'm absolutely untethered. I'm free. And now what I want to do is I want to get together uh, a, a board of directors that is uh, absolutely stellar. I'm going to take my time. I'm not going to try to do it quickly. Um, I'm going to find people with absolutely unimpeachable integrity um, who are, uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to check them out every way to Sunday. Um, and You can, and I believe you can. Well, I can try. I'm not an expert, but I, think, I, I have enough connections. I think I'll be able to find people who will be able to help me do it. Um, and and uh, I will also... Uh, have them and uh, declare myself that I'm uh, that that the foundation um, is committed to a certain set of principles, right? Um, in fact, uh, if if you like, I can just go through some of the principles because this is actually how I how I answer uh, your question. Um, just define for me how would the thing I think a lot about is values. Like I'm always trying to define our values, which for me defines the character of the organization, not the personality of it, but the character. Are principles the same as values or are they uh, a bit more tangible or how would, how would you differentiate them? It's interesting that you should ask that question because I was just writing about it last week um, uh, in, in that essay that I, I mentioned earlier, um, Why Be Moral? Um, yeah, yeah, values are, are basically, uh, a value um, is basically... Uh, 
something that is valuable. Um, it is uh, uh, something that is deemed to be good. Um, and the, the interesting kind of values are, are the uh, intrinsic values, um, things that are ends in themselves, things that we seek out for their own sake. And then principles are, you can think of them as, uh, as uh, rules, uh, or at least rules of thumb that you should follow um, to secure the values. Ah, okay. So it is the next layer up in organization. You start, if you're starting at the, you're starting at the essence or the spirit of the project. And then you're like, how do we begin to shape our activities so that they come in accordance? Well, I mean, um, the, the, the basic goal of the, uh, of the, of the foundation is simply to, um, negotiate, among various potential stakeholders to get to the very best statement of standards. And again, we're not talking about editorial standards here. We're talking about technical standards for the publishing of encyclopedic information in a shared commons, right? Um, so that's, that's uh, the, the goal. Now, the values, though, um, I'll, I'll, I'll go through them. Um, uh, the, first of all, independence. We will not be beholden to any publisher, government, corporation, religion, or other organization at all. Um, neutrality is another one. We, we will take proactive and extensive steps to ensure neutrality in all respects. So we're going to piss off people who want it to be biased. And I'm going ha- to be glad about doing that. I can see it in your face. I can see you're going to be glad about it. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, uh, basically, we will take proactive and extensive steps to ensure neutrality in all respects. In politics, we will not favor the left or the right. As to religion, we will favor neither atheism nor Christianity nor any other religious attitude and so forth. Um, and I think this is going to be fairly easy, right? Because all we have to do is say, well, um, n- none of these things are going to be mentioned in the standards. There's no reason to, in the same way that there isn't any need to, to um, mention um, politics or religion or anything else um, in, uh, in the specification for blogging. Yeah, and, and it's like, in a way, a lot of, I guess, your principles are about what you just don't account for rather than what you do account for. Right, right. And there's there's some other things. I'll go through them a little more quickly. Uh, credibility. Um, so we strongly wish to support the most trusted and distinguished institutions and experts. And this is why a rating system will be necessary. Now, this doesn't mean that we are going to, you know, be the kingmakers and bless um, certain people as experts. Rather, we will enable individuals to be able to declare that in their opinion, other people are experts. Um, and then we'll, then people who write apps will be able to gather all that information and do whatever they want with it. Um, and then uh, free will, uh, free speech rather, for, not free will, free speech, uh, ordinary undistinguished scholars will be able to post whatever they like to their article feeds, just as anyone can publish a blog. Um, and... Then another one is responsibility. Um, the, the standards will allow governments, corporations, and others to identify to the public any content that they regard as illegal. And I think this is actually going to be important 
for for certain people to be able to take the whole the whole thing seriously. And it's also going to be how um, the system will um, be set up to monitor um, spam and and uh, copyright violation and um, and things like that. But uh, of course, publishers in in jurisdictions uh, will not have to uh, you know respect all the directives that are published in the uh, in the metadata. Um, but like you know, if if some French regulator says, you know, uh, the following articles may not be published in France, then there, it becomes uh, clear how to do that, and people who want to go around them will just have to use a VPN. <laughs> but from the standard side, you're trying to take a transnational approach. Your starting point isn't the law of any land. It's it's your princi- your values and principles starting. And then if those things... Ha- Are you saying, uh, just to clarify, if you're saying if what I write happens to, say, be illegal in... Uzbekistan and somebody wants to read it in Uzbekistan what what kind of you're not trying to block my content at a platform level but you're allowing it within the standards to not the standards can't can't allow or disallow anything all that we will do is create a data field essentially um, that that allows um, anyone actually to make a declaration of of uh, what is um, uh, what is verboten and, and not. Um, so if, if Uzbekistan um, establishes, okay, we, we hereby publish the following code um, is, is our code. And um, when, when we, uh, you'll be able to basically mark up other articles in your own feeds, right? Um, so, so Uzbekistan would just, create a whole feed of, of, uh, of the issues that it has, um, you know, the following uh, violate our laws um, and, and, um, uh, and then they will just write laws around that, I suppose. But I, I, I myself think that there's a need for this in it, perfectly freedom-loving countries, right? Because you still want to have some sort of responsible mechanism for, for identifying things like copyright violation um, and, and uh, for that matter, um, uh, basically stuff that is specifically intended to screw the system up, like uploading a million copies of the same article um, and, and then... Um, yeah, well, there's got to be uh, technical means of of um, app writers to get around that, you know. For the last few months, I've been working with a company called Paid.co.uk, and Paid is a platform that gets you freelancers, people who work for yourselves, paid as soon as you've done the work. And this gets rid of all of the not knowing about when you're going to get paid. When I've done deals for YouTube or done speaking gigs or even done consulting and coaching, I don't know when I'm going to get paid. And it's the worst when I've got to pay out other people who have come to help me film or help me produce the work that I'm doing. 
paid exists to support freelancers to be as creative and productive as they can to help outsource the parts they don't need to do themselves to be friendly and fair and make sure you get your money and make sure that your client pays up at the right time. So for example, last month I made an invoice and got it financed through paid, sent it to my client. I got paid immediately after I'd done the day's work and I don't need to worry. I don't know if they have paid paid yet or not. It's not any longer my problem. Paid follow that up with no recourse to me and I get to crack on with the next project. So if you want to check it out, go to paid.co.uk. It's perfect if you're a web consultant, a freelancer, a digital nomad, digital creative, making videos, photos, that kind of thing. Especially if you've got other costs you've got to pay alongside within the project. Go to paid.co.uk, check it out, sign up for the beta. I think you might really like it. And thanks to Paid for supporting these new podcasts. And, and so you've written these principles. You're set about to build this organization. What's the what's the next step, man? Um, well, I think it's going to go pretty fast. So by the time that this is posted, some things that I'm about to say hopefully will have already happened. I haven't even actually started writing the website. That should be up by the time this is published. And, and what's yeah. the website going to be? Uh, knowledgestandards.org knowledgestandards.org great yeah yeah encyclosphere.org and .com will will be post will uh, be redirected to knowledgestandards.org and that's e n c y c l o s h p e r e s p h e r e encyclo as in encyclopedia sphere um as in blogosphere Encyclosphere.org and .com will go to Knowledge Standards Foundation. Knowledgestandards.org, yeah. Sorry, got it. Yep. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm not going to make any app myself. Um, I, I uh, might even put that in uh, as, as another principle. Um, so I don't want to uh, – I don't want to uh, – I don't want the foundation to – be competing with the people who make apps. Um, uh, I, I, I want the the organization to be uh, able to be trusted as a neutral arbiter uh, among all the potential um, app developers and publishers, encyclopedia publishers. I was so. I was going to say that about every pedia. Like you're explaining how they hope to now start pulling in articles from other places. But once yeah. once you already have a repository that's in the middle of your setup, it, it, it's hard to imagine that it'll ever even out in a completely open way. Um, and maybe it, w maybe it will, but I think I like the idea that if you start from the position that you don't build on top of your own kind of standards platform, um, then it means that in the same way that you've released yourself from previous responsibilities, if you don't then build stuff on top, then it keeps it very clear what your remit is, which increases like trust essentially, doesn't it? Yes, yes. I think it's it's going to be really important um, uh, to, especially because, uh, well, 
to continue answering your previous question, another thing that I'm going to be working very hard on is fundraising. Um, because all of the the uh, the money that we depend on will be from individuals and eventually, I suppose, uh, foundations, maybe academic institutions, not corporations, and not uh, so not for-profit corporations and not governments. So we're going to uh, reject that kind of of uh, money, um, and it's it's going to probably, I hope. Um, if it works, uh, it will be crowdfunded. Um, but if it's going to be crowdfunded, then um, I've, I've got to make it as popular as possible with the crowd. Um, yeah, and so that's, that's what I'm going to try to do. That's, that's the, the point of publishing the, the principles. Um, another thing that, that I'm going to be doing is, is uh, setting up a blog um, I'm thinking, I don't know if it's ultimately going to work this way, but I'm thinking that, that um, it'll be a group blog. Anyone um, will be able to create an account and like submit uh, a top-level article. Um, but it's going to have to be substantive. It can't be disrespectful or, or anything. It's a serious, long-form discussion. And then, of course, for uh, underneath each one, um, we will have a nice, long uh, talk about... about um, policies and so forth. And again, this this could take time to actually pin down. But another thing that I want to do actually right out of the gate is is to encourage people to actually just start writing encyclopedia articles and other people um, start slurping up all of the encyclopedia articles that they can find online and, and, um, and get them out there in a machine, get databases of them, updated databases of them, um, out there in a machine processable format, and then we'll take their work and we'll use that to actually define the standard. I imagine that's going to be how, how it'll work. So do you have a fund re fundraising remit right now? Like to get from like, let's say we're at day one or whatever, to get to the next step, do you need funding in order to get there? Or can you get there just through people contributing? Um, or are you trying to raise cash now to make sure that when the time comes, you've got the, the war chest is, uh, is well, is well stocked? Uh, yeah, I don't have much runway if that's the question. Um, I, uh, and I am going to be, uh, depending on, on, uh, the goodwill of people who are excited about the idea to, uh, help me build the, the organization that can bring this thing into um, existence. Like right now, I'm working out of my my home office. But what I really want to do is actually open a real office in in um, probably Canal Winchester, Ohio, and and uh, you know hire a, a small staff and um, and just uh, start you know, executing really hard on, uh, on all the things that are necessary to make this uh, a reality. I mean, you would, you'd think that the basic idea doesn't really take that much, right? And, and it really shouldn't, because all we're trying to do is articulate some standards. Mm. I mean, I think the RSS uh, metaphor really helps for the everyday internet user. Um, and I think, I think what would be really good for the everyday user is to hear like what is the pain point 
that this really nails for the everyday internet user? Like, is it that in a world of, um, is it that centralized organizations are throttling our own learning? Is it that in a world of fake news, we need to make sure that we can trust our knowledge sources? Like, what is the... Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, those two definitely. Those are both pain points uh, that a lot of people have. They're worried about the the uh, the bias of information, and they're worried about the the uh, the reliability of information. People on the right are worried that it's biased. People on the left are worried that it it's uh, only so much uh, disinformation. I'm very sympathetic to both concerns, actually, um, and and uh, but. Neither one of those concerns is what really gets me excited. Um, and, and the thing that, that I will tell people um, uh, over and over is, is uh, just the, the following vision. I think I told you this before, but I can give it to you again. Um, so just imagine if there were, um, give, me, give me a controversial topic, a timely controversial topic. Um, let's talk about... I mean, abortion comes to mind. Okay, fine. Abortion. So just imagine um, dozens of encyclopedia articles. They have to be encyclopedia articles, right? Um, but they are attempts to state what is known about abortion. All right? Um, and uh, imagine a whole... Uh, raft of ratings of all of these articles, especially the, 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 the best written articles. Um, they have got uh, dozens, maybe hundreds or thousands of ratings, right? Um, the ones that are further down don't have as many ratings, but enough ratings to allow them to sort of ascend um, a uh, rankings. There isn't any, any uh, centralized rankings, the rankings are all going to be determined by different apps, right? All that will be on the uh, in the standards and in the encyclosphere itself, in people's feeds, in other words, are um, here is my my ID in the system, and this is my rating for the abortion article, right? So apps aggregate all that together, and then you have this amazing, beautiful thing. Um, you actually can identify, um, according to all of the Christians, because users will be able to declare, will be able to tag themselves in various ways. So according to self-identifying Christians, the best article about abortion is this one. And according to atheists um, and feminists and whatnot, uh, the best articles are this one or that one. Uh, and then, and then. Wouldn't it be interesting to see what the best article would be according to Hindus or, or, or according to, you know, South Africans or whatever? Um, and and uh, I, I think it would be, um, it could be a, a, something that would open the eyes of the world to um, not just uh, what we all think, but the very best expressions of what we all think. Well, it goes back to your original metaphor of like a, a thousand flowers um, all blooming. It, it, I think it done well, this could help us embrace a world of diversity and build empathy 
for other people's viewpoints as well, because... Um, maybe, maybe not. I, 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 I'm not going to rule this out. See, we need to discuss all of these things. They need to discuss all these things. I hope so. I actually think that's true. But I'm not going to rule out the possibility that, that, that uh, familiarity breeds contempt. If, if we've learned one thing from, from uh, Facebook, that, it's got to be that. You know, um, people constantly seeing their friends and family members' political views always splashed online is, is, uh, is something that's very divisive. On the other hand, I'm just playing the devil's advocate when I say that, and I don't, I don't actually, uh, I hope that's not true. I hope that that's not how it's going to work. There's good reason to think that, 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 uh, that it actually might end up having a really good impact on the world. And that, that is by showing people, because, because look, when people get really pissed off at each other on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, it's because they're using these stupid memes and making these oracular pronouncements that are incredibly insulting to their religion or whatever. Um, and and um, here we're talking about the best written statement of your own opinion on uh, different subjects. Um, and in order to be the highest rated article, according to a vast array of, of uh, Democratic Party voters or a vast array of Republican voters, not the party officials. We're talking about the rank and file. In order to appeal to the, the best, uh, uh, you know, to be the best article according to that number of people, would it would have to be a really, really good article. And the other side, of when they look at it, they're going to, I can't, I, I am pretty sure that they will, they will at least grudgingly admit that, that, wow, this is actually pretty interesting. You know, it, it will help people to understand each other because it will be our best statement of, of each point of view. That's, that's what, that, that, and that's what I'm getting at when I talk about the empathy is because if I only hear a poorly written or cheap shot version of a different uh, viewpoint um, on a, on approaching a subject, I'm I'm not gonna. It's not putting it in its best light. But I have the best chance. Put it this way: I think I have the best chance of understanding and appreciating a different viewpoint to mine or a different lens through which something's being written if it's the very best of those writers. Uh, are, are the best best written and best well-informed of that group. And I, I think the other thing, in a, in a world of agenda that is overrun by corporation and corporate a, agenda, just, just knowing the viewpoint from which this article was written, or at least not written, but the viewpoint which appreciates most this article, that helps increase my awareness and understanding of what I'm about to read. Um in a way that brings me into the light rather than wondering what corporate agenda is running over my head or what, what in this case, not necessarily corporate agenda, but what, um, you know, viewpoint, what lens is powering the, the way they've written the article, what is omitted from this. Yeah. It, I, it would solve so many problems, potentially. I mean, uh, just, just imagine if you're, if you're at all familiar with the the uh, vaccine uh, debates, um, 
there there are a, a lot of people who think that uh, vaccines are are dangerous. Uh, the other side hears that much and says, uh, "Well, of course they're anti-science and they're they're just you know uh, fools." Um, but the 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 uh, the anti-vaxxers have not really been allowed to get their point across in my experience. I've actually listened to them a little bit, and they're not nearly as crazy as they sound, because a lot of what they're, what they're talking about is basically anti-corporate um, and, and basically saying that, that certain vaccines have not been tested properly and, they're, and, and um, they've been basically pushed on the public before they're really ready and things like that, right? So if you, if you can... Um, I think that uh, there are a lot of powerful interests that try to control narratives um, that uh, and it's difficult for us to get information about um, about uh, anything that goes contrary to those narratives because most of the professional writers and researchers um, are uh, are not working. Uh, uh, outside of the narratives, it's difficult, and they get they get discouraged. You know, the writers, uh, even if even if they're really good writers or really good researchers, it, the phenomenon happens all the time in academia, especially. Right, you've got a minority point of view uh, about about your pet topic. Um, nobody uh, is is listening uh, uh, to you. Um, because it's a minority point of view and it's difficult for you to get a, a hearing. But there are people actually who have your point of view. And if the, you all got together, essentially, and picked out the best statement of that point of view, um, then um, it actually might uh, change minds. When I think about in a leadership capacity, when I have to make a decision and stand behind it with confidence... I don't seek out friends who are accommodating to me. I seek out advisors who are outspoken in their position. And I often, to try to get the right information in my mind, I try to get one of each side to give me their best effort of explaining unequivocally and unrelentingly what their position is. Now, when I have those two strong views in my mind, I can then take those and I can find my path and actually, it's only once I feel I've got both voices in my head and know where they're coming from that I can then find the decision I've come to to be a reliable one that I can comfortably move forwards with. Um, and because obviously, you know, when you're leading a group or a team, you have to be able to really stand, you know, stand firmly on your conviction. And I can only do that when I feel I know I've got balanced advice and I know the agenda with which the advice has come. As long as I know what the agenda is, that's fine. And um, and so I, it feels in a way, I'm humanizing it, but in a way this could be a platform that could build confidence in people that they have been able to quite quickly get to the best version of different viewpoints on a subject so that they can get to a position more quickly and more clearly, which is obviously an invaluable thing. Right. Yes. Yes. And there, there's another thing that is, uh, it's actually potentially revolutionary in, in some ways. I mean, it's Wikipedia itself has been revolutionary in that it has enabled the, the, the world to, to, to become informed about 
uh, a lot more easily uh, about a lot of things that were uh, not allowed uh, to be published. Um, this is one of the reasons why uh, China has has uh, um, censored and 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 Turkey also has censored Wikipedia. Um, but uh, I think we can do better. I think that that. Um, not only uh, not not only better in terms of the quality of the articles um or the the quantity for that matter i think we can we could have you know orders of magnitude more articles about absolutely everything i'm totally on board with the the everpedia vision there the encyclopedia of everything um but um so there in addition to all of that there's quite a bit of information that is deliberately hidden because corporations or governments or whatever religions like i don't know the christian scientists or the 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 uh, scientologists or whatever the catholic church they don't want you to know um and sometimes because they are so powerful um it's it's difficult to get to get the information out there Right in in a way that that is credible, right? It's the credibility of exposés of the hidden information that is um, uh, that is the problem, and this is a system because it's totally decentralized. Um, this is a system that that would uh, potentially make it possible, um, especially if the rating part of the system works well. Um, uh, it's, it's possible, um, for us to actually get to the bottom of all kinds of things that, that, uh, we never were able to get to the bottom of. It, it doesn't, it doesn't need much, uh, encouragement or, or explaining to say how powerful that could be and how much I want to use it. Um, on a, on a side note, have you ever seen a film called Spotlight? Spotlight? Um, I'm afraid I haven't. It's a journalistic film showing this journey of uncovering a pedophile ring within the Catholic Church in Boston, I think it was. And they kind of show the journalistic journey based on real events. And um, there's just this very powerful moment in it that I will never forget. And I've gone back and, and cut out that clip to replay to myself because I love it so much. And they kind of building the story and they found a few of the culprits and they've got some data and they're building the credibility of the story. And then they're like, let's run with it. Let's run with it. And then the, the guy in charge, the leading the team is like, no, like we're going after the system. Like we don't publish until it's as credible as it can be. And it and it brings to light the whole systemic issue that comes right from the top of this organization and something in me just rose and I was like, this is the work, you know, this is what it's about, the patience and the dedication to changing how systems operate. And um, in a way it sounds like a platform that carries a similar spirit to me. Yeah. And if it's decentralized um, in the way that the, the internet is, then um, there is no single neck to cut off. There's no, there, uh, um, there's no, no one person to suicide um, if you want to, if you want to stop the signal, because uh, the the articles will, for the most part, I expect, won't be required by by the the uh, by the system, 
um, by the network, uh, but uh, I think most people will probably share their articles under some sort of open content license. Um, and uh, that will enable other people to make use of it. They can obviously make use of articles just as sources. Um, and and this the the uh, idea of a completely distributed peer review of of, uh, of encyclopedia articles also will create the possibility of of uh, uh, communities that that uh, both go after stories really vigorously, but also um, are in order to compete um, have to you know, um, do the very best or they won't, they won't retain the top spot. Yeah. And, and I guess what I'm saying is in order to bring light to powerful centralized organizations, it takes other organizations like, or, or groups or communities to be organized in different ways that aren't subject to the same constraints in order to shed light and order to do something differently. And so I can see why that's vital to the mission. But, but, but the uh, I, I guess uh, you know you can see from the case of Wikipedia, um, various discussion groups, uh, and all kinds of, of uh, startups that that start you know virtually. Um, yeah, this this can all be or the the sort of knowledge seeking um, that uh, can be done um, can be done virtually. Um, shared across the entire world. There's no reason not not to do it that way. And um, so anyway, I guess I'm just saying obvious things now. Let's do it. You, you, you certainly sold me. And I guess in, in, in light of this podcast being called New Agreements, um, how would you summarize what, it, what the new agreement you think we need in society around how we store knowledge is then what how how would you frame it in terms of like here's the new agreement that we all need to to kind of uh try and get on board with so um i think we need to get on board with the idea of uh the free sharing of knowledge according to an agreed encyclopedia standard um and uh, if we can simply uh, agree on a standard that is duly published, everything's just going to flow from that. Um, and I, 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 this is—I don't say this about many ideas, um, but I, this is an idea such that if you build it, they will come. It, like if you just get it out there, uh, it, it will start getting used because. Um, Whoever I talk to about this idea, um, it, well, they, they get very enthusiastic about it. So, I, and I'm, I'm, I believe enough in it that I'm willing to take a leap of faith that, that uh, it's the, you know, the money is going to be there even from small donors. Um, and uh, um, I, I think there will be, and, and, and I get it. And if I get it, that's a good sign. And, and if you want help in um, trying to pull together like a 60, 90 second intro pitch video for the everyday internet user of how and why this is really invaluable and worth investing in, 
then that's something that I'd be pleased to try and um, help with one way or another. Oh, well, thank you very much. I'm going to hold you to that because uh, that's actually something that I was thinking about. Um, so, yep, yep, yep. Uh, I'm going to write it down right now. Dave Erasmus uh, video. All right. And if anybody else wants to, um, you know, uh, um, help out in, in similar ways, uh, by all means, uh, get in touch with me and I will add your name to the list here and and um, and... Yeah, any, any of you guys watching who are uh, filmmakers or animators or script writers, anything like that, ping either of us an email and, um, and maybe we'll get a little group together or something like that if it can be of help. No, that, that's, that's a great idea. And again, it's a, it's a non-profit. Um, I'm going to publish the books. Um, all the money we take in, all the money we, we spend, I'm never going to pay myself more than $150,000 in uh, 2019 terms. I'm not looking to get rich on this. Um, I, I just want to have a, a decent middle-class lifestyle doing something that I really love. Um, and I, I think that really comes through. And I remember when uh, we spoke in May, and I, I just remember closing our conversation saying something like, in a world that's full of agenda and uh, greed and money in the internet, uh, and quick wins. I do. I may not agree with you on absolutely everything, but I do feel I can trust you. When we talk, I feel like I think you're actually speaking your truth from a from an uh, authentic and open place. And uh, that is kind of rare to find at the top levels in in the internet and technology world. So pleased to pleased to. That's why I'm pleased to be in conversation again, Larry. Um, Appreciate that. And and if you if you have a little time, it would be nice to discuss some of the things that I've been spinning through and see what questions it creates for you. Yeah, sure. So when we were together in May, I was I, I kind of began to discuss with you. I think I had just done the talk at Thinking Digital called "Creating Beyond Nations," and the the viewpoint, kind of in the same way that you're looking digitally transnationally with what you're describing in terms of how we hold knowledge. I'm thinking the biggest existential threats that we're facing in terms of the environmental crisis, the refugee crisis, um, you know, we have 60 million refugees and in the next 20 years they're predicting between, depending on who you listen to, 300 million and a billion based on environmental issues like, for example, Bangladesh going underwater, that will create a huge amount of um, movement through borders and loads of chaos. Um, and then the third being kind of how we relate to AI and depending on, and other transformative um, technologies, but I think it's good shorthand just to talk about machine intelligence. And there's lots of viewpoints there. And obviously, as you can tell, I'm looking at kind of 10,000 feet here. Don't wanna get too pulled into one of the subjects or the others, but what these three all have in common for me is that none of them respects nationality. None of these problems respect um, a national paradigm, let's say. And, you know, if somebody in Croatia builds a self-learning machine that kind of gets out of hand, that can kind of keep learning on it of its own, um, it's not going to know much about whether it's in Croatia or whether it's in um, America in the same way the environment doesn't care about nations, etc., etc. Nations are fictitious by nature that you know they've been created by us 
And that's important. We need that for cultural kind of identity and meaning and feeling like we're a part of something. But I guess the more I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, I'm not sure that this is where all the power, what where we should be trusting all the power to be. And actually, given that the biggest troubles are global, maybe we need to have in be starting to invest in infrastructure, governance, infrastructure at a global level. But obviously, like we talked about, you don't want all you don't want Trump running the world. Basically, you don't want anybody uh, being in charge of the world. That's like a very poor looking future and very vulnerable. But the kind of the. The journey I've been exploring is how could we um, move towards having uh, maybe a dual citizenship. So there's a sense that I, I pay into and expect services from a national government that is the physical uh, country that I'm living in. But then maybe also I pay into and expect some services from a global government that I'm also a part of. And uh, obviously, at this point, it's an opt-in thing. And I've actually begun to experiment with it. So I, I've taken 10... I've opened a community fund, and I've taken 10 of my friends uh, paying 1% of our gross income, so like 40 quid a month or 50 pounds a month or something like that, into, these, in, into this communal pot. And we're currently just meeting quarterly over Zoom like this to make decisions about how we spend the government taxes, although it's only very small. It's like a practical experiment. So we did actually send £200 to a sustainable fish farm in Rwanda. Uh, a friend who's over there who I know will invest it in more agricultural gear to create more employment and more food. Um, and, and that's kind of, in a way, he's not paying taxes, so you could kind of see that as foreign aid, in a way, from the group. Um, but but we're also developing the tools by which to decide. So not just making decisions, but also creating the structure of how do we make decisions, which is very much like the kind of stuff uh, that you would... At the moment, what I used was like with super hacky. I, I just used Zoom and I recorded the call like this and then posted it to anybody that couldn't attend the call. And they had 24 hours. And I used a website called Slido. So basically, it allows real-time voting. Um, very, very crude, like wouldn't scale. But I knew everyone who was on the call. So I knew that everybody... And I knew how many people were on the call. So I knew you couldn't, like, duplicate it. And so let, let, let me unload a thought on you uh, before I forget it, uh, just in reaction to what you've said so far, if I may. Um, um, so... Uh, on the one hand, um, you say that what, what you would like to do is to have a global government that we all pay into and expect services from. Or there could be 200 of them to choose from, but yeah. Okay, but, and, and well, no. <laughs> if it's a global government, really is a global government, then there can only be one, because then it's not... I mean, because then if there isn't a single sovereign right uh, over a certain geographical area then it's not it's not a government it then it's just it's a civic organization so to finish my thought um the 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 uh after you said that you you're talking about this well-meaning sounding organization you know contributing 
you know, investing uh, money in, in like uh, African business or whatever. That sounds great. Um, uh, but um, uh, that strikes me as being a, uh, that's like a civic organization, right? It's, it's a, uh, and it, you could call it, either something like Amnesty International, an international organization, or if you want, you could call it a, a, uh, a super national um, organization like, uh, I forget the word. Anyway. Yes, but it would be misleading to think that all of the funds were going to be spent like that. That happens to be potentially a misleading first example. But Whatever. Yeah, okay. I, I, I understand what you're saying. But I, I, guess, I guess what I'm saying, though, is... Unless there is some step that you intend to go beyond a group of people contributing to a common fund, um, then you're definitely not talking about a government, right? That's not a government. That's that's uh, that's a voluntary organization. Happens to be international. Sounds like depending on, on on how the money is spent, sounds like it could be you know extremely worthwhile. So what about this then? One of the ideas I've been uh, working on, which is not an immediate idea, as you could imagine, this would take 10 or 20 years to develop credit credibly. But two of the friends within our group are Syrian refugees and currently do not have citizenship that's active and helpful um, in any given na nation state system. Now, imagine... Syria. Uh, okay, well... I, uh, well, I mean, you said they're Syrian refugees. I, I, I don't know. I, I actually, I, I don't know if they have their passport from Syria or not. But all I know is, uh, for example, one friend is stuck in um, uh, Germany and can't travel. And actually, she can a little bit. She has some limited travel rights, but it's not the freedom that we're used to. Um, of course. And so her citizenship is dramatically pared back because she had to leave due to war and bombing and a lot of her community has has gone um okay. so so in my opinion the the nation state has kind of failed her that the citizenship and that paradigm is not providing for her and she's done nothing wrong she's not um she's not done anything wrong she's just trying to stay alive and as a result of that by Syria has certainly failed her. That's for, for sure. Um, uh, but but it, it, you but you blame it on the nation state, which is a very important. Yeah, I do because I think that if a innocent person whose life gets interrupted dramatically because of um, because of things way outside of their control, just geopolitical decisions that are being made by different countries and she tries to move around on the planet and then cannot cannot uh, function as she would as we would expect to and want to and hope to as a result that feels like that whole system is failing there's no reason why a uh, a fully I disagree I, I'm sorry but I, I mean you're expecting all systems to be perfect and whatever new system that you would come up with would have 
also um, extreme imperfections as well. Um, that's a arguing from a an issue with uh, with with um, the failure of of one nation state and the other countries maybe not stepping up as you think they should. Um, that's a problem with maybe those countries. Um, I, I'll, I'll grant that much, but it takes a lot more argument to say that it's a problem with the nation state. That's a philosophical argument, man. That's 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 a, a much harder nut to crack if you actually wanted to to, um, to construct a, a a critique of 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 the nation state as such. Well, I mean. I understand what you're saying, but I, I don't think that you can just pin it on that because it each for a nation state system to work in the world as it does, um, that whole system ha it naturally has a bunch of different kind of countries operating in different kinds of ways. And I guess what I'm saying is that we, like what you said earlier, I, I do think we can and should do better than accepting the system as it is. I, I agree that no system is perfect, and I agree that um, uh, there will be flaws in any kind of system. But for me, I guess, I guess what I'm saying, and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this, the, the, the flaws and the cost that is being created because of this essentially competitive geographical power system that we have for me is is sufficient the flaws are sufficient that it's worth trying to build an, a new part to the system or a, or a different system they could cohabit or they, they may be able to find a way to cohabit they may not but I don't think if you if all of a sudden um, someone started blowing up America um, for whatever reason like, let's say Trump goes out there and does some stuff and people want to start bombing America. I would I would want to make sure that you, Larry, still had the freedoms that you deserve to be able to move to a safer place or a place that wasn't underwater or a place that wasn't stuck, basically. I wouldn't want you to be stuck because you, as a human, like, I think Team Human deserves to try to figure out a way to continue to live on this biosphere and not get stuck. So uh, this is all kind of vague though. Um, Dave, you're, you're, you're making a philosophical argument. And so I, I'm, I'm switching into philosophical mode, which is a lot harder. Please do. Please do. I, it's a, pro it's a process and I welcome the critique. Yeah. So, I mean, um, basically uh, you, you speak, rather vaguely of competing systems without actually defining what the competing systems are. Um, you, you say that uh, there are, are certain um, rights that a person deserves uh, regardless of the uh, nation state that they happen to be a citizen of. Um, well, uh, there are some people who are uh, not citizens at all, but subjects of uh, totalitarian regimes, um, and uh, uh, if if what you said were true, then um, I think it would follow that 
that uh, all of those people would have the right to travel to a free country. Um, and that would be, a, a, I think we can agree, a disaster for the free countries of the world if all of the non-free people were to en masse go. Um, and, and then maybe what you're saying is uh, 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 people have uh, the rights that you claim that they have, um, or not just the rights, I'll grant that they have the rights, but they, they have a claim on actual individual other people or, or countries, right, that, has to be, that have to be respected. Um, so um, maybe what you're saying is if somebody actually asserts the claim, like your friends, the, the, the Syrian woman did in Germany, um, then it needs to be respected. But that actually is part of the problem of, of what's, what's created this enormous influx of, of people into uh, Europe and the United States, um, you know, from point south. Uh, the the um, expectation that people's claims to... to uh, various kinds of asylum, economic or, or uh, real, um, that, um, uh, that those, I forgot the beginning of the sentence. Anyway, that those claims would have to be um, respected, right? Um, and that's, you know, if you publish that, basically what you're, what you're essentially saying is um, open borders, right? I mean, why why wouldn't you? If, if, why why shouldn't I conclude that that is what you're what you're claiming? And that's a different discussion than the one that you want to say. All you're trying to say is, my poor Syrian uh, friend should be able to come to Germany and just live a decent life. That would be nice. I agree. If it were like one or a few, but when it gets to be sixty million. And you can see all kinds of major societal upheavals resulting. Then it's a problem, right? And then, then there's a, there's a difference between. There, actually, this is interesting, right? You could you have to be able to draw a distinction when you're discussing this between um, uh, asylum asylum seeking and invasion and it's it sounds absurd to say that doesn't it it sounds absolutely absurd right of course asylum seeking invasion they're two completely different things well they're not different if you've got enough people who are seeking asylum all at the same time right for me is that um like when we talk about the internet and we talk about the intellectual realm, I guess, the, the realm of knowledge and passing, sharing of knowledge. Our viewpoints are like identical, almost, it feels like, you know, there's, it's, it's, it's kind of, it feels like everything you say, I agree with. I think I didn't, I didn't have any points that I, that I think too differently on, definitely not deeply differently. But when it, when it comes to the physical world, the biological world and the, the biological borders around the, around the uh, the US or around Germany or these different countries that we've created only in the last few hundred years, we're coming at it from very, very different perspectives, I think, to begin with. Um, I think 
so that's one interesting thing for me to know about how different in the different spheres of life are our viewpoints become. I guess the only thing I, I'm not sitting here claiming to have all the answers. Doesn't surprise me that much, to tell the truth. It doesn't surprise me at all. That, I mean, people, people. Well, because in different in different areas of of uh, philosophy, I think of this in terms of philosophy, in in different subjects, they they do not closely constrain, do not directly constrain. Um, uh, what people think in, in other subjects. So it's possible for Thomas Reed, Scottish founder founder of the of, of the uh, Scottish school of common sense, to be a, a, a traditional realist in uh, metaphysics and epistemology, and yet to be basically a, a socialist in politics. Right? These things do not normally go together. But it doesn't matter because, you know, um, yeah. Oh, no, I think it's okay. I, I'm just interesting. It's interesting for me to, to note that it is different in the different realms. And you're right. Maybe that's to be expected. I think the only thing I would, rather than kind of responding to your uh, points around my vagity and me attempting to get clarity um, for myself or for you, I, I think... The only thing I would say is in a world where you said like that would just be chaos when referring to open borders. Now, well, that wouldn't be the that wouldn't be the the end of my argument, uh, but but we can just begin with that. So, yeah. Let me I'm, I just want to go a step back, which is to say if we were living in a world, I I guess a lot of the explorations I'm doing right now are because I believe that we're living in a an unprecedented world that means we're moving into like the systems we have are not going to be able to handle the problems that we're facing. That's my that's my basic thinking. So when I'm thinking about I believe it when when we see the statistics of between 200 million and a billion people on the move because they literally won't have a home anymore. So on the basis that I... Well, I mean, okay. Well, maybe when your site comes out and and we start getting all the knowledge set in the right way, maybe I'll think differently. But right now, on the basis of the papers I've read and the articles I've seen, I believe that to be true. And so I'm asking myself, what is the best infrastructure to help handle peacefully that kind of level of forced migration around the world? And and I'm not sure that the system that we've got is going to handle that. Uh-huh. And that's my starting point is what I'm saying to you. So you could say it. Yeah. I mean, if you don't think that's true and you think the 60 million uh, displaced people we have now is the most we're going to face and we, we can reduce that. then No, I think the reason that, that, that we we have 60 million displaced people right now does not have to do with, you know, global warming or anything like that. It has to do with. Uh, very, very, very straightforwardly with the fact that that Europe and the United States tolerate the immigration. People hear that and they go, "Hey, let's go where it's where life is better." I don't think. Well, I think you don't think that's true. Uh, well, l- l- to say life is better covers a whole range of things, from their homes being bombed by the countries that we're talking about. But I, I don't. But that's not why most people uh, are moving um, from from uh, Africa and and uh, and Mexico and the Middle East to. I've 
I've been yeah, like like your Syrian friend. There's absolutely totally, um, you know, real uh, upheavals that that happen. Um, a case can be made that maybe she should be going to Lebanon or Turkey or something like that, um, and it's not clear why she has to go all the way to Europe. Then it looks more or less like um, seeking um, uh, asylum and more like. Uh, you know, economic asylum. People are moving because of very dangerous stuff. They're moving for economic reasons, as you're describing, and they are moving because of environmental crisis. And I, and I could, I could. I don't know. I don't know about, I don't know about that. Well, they are. They are. But I, we could. But I could go and look and see the statistics. I've. I, I. But we could. We could have a further conversation about that. I guess it would probably take too long to to find agreement in this conversation. But I think the if you don't think that dramatic change is going to happen because of environmental crisis, then I guess, yeah, there would be no reason to even consider dramatic change in our overall system because you would, you're probably then coming from the position of saying, well, it does, it's, it's, it's a lesser of other... It's strange that you would say that. Because, I mean, uh, the left has been in favor of, of open borders for generations now. Um, I, I mean, uh, the, the whole idea of, of uh, internationalism in general has been uh, championed for all kinds of different reasons throughout the years. Uh, using using um, a, a environmental crisis looks to me like just another excuse um i mean and and those even if it you know in 10 years uh there there's a profound global cooling and the the uh, the, the uh, people stop uh, uh talking about about it and realize oh well that was just a problem then they'll immediately go back to other reasons right i i actually think the reason why people so desperately want a uh, like global solutions is that they're they're idealists and there's no other reason than that ultimately they think that that um the uh the world ought to be as they envision it to be um and they want to just do uh what what they can to bring it into being the way they want it to be of course is uh and I'm not talking about you in particular. I'm talking about about most most uh, utopians who talk who 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 talk in this way about like a one world government globalism uh, in a, a positive way. They they think everybody should be living the way that they do. Um, and uh, how can we how can we make that happen? When you travel from London to New York uh, to Singapore to Sydney. Um, to wherever, Dubai, the hotels that you stay in are pretty similar. The entertainments that you, that you see in those places are not that different. The sorts of cars that you drive, the roads that you drive on, the, the, uh, the categories of businesses that you pass as you're driving down the road, they're all very similar. The people that you meet when you're like talking at conferences and so forth, they're all very witty, urbane. Almost all of them speak English, of course. Um, and and uh, they make up what looks like a global community already. 
And wouldn't it be great if we could just get everybody else in the world in the same way? And how are we going to, how is, how can we make that happen? I think this is actually the, the, uh, the thought that underlies or the, 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 um, the observation that underlies a lot of the, the um, motive behind, uh, behind globalism. I actually wrote a, a piece uh, along these lines on my blog recently that, that you might be interested in. And if you wanted to talk about it sometime, I'd be perfectly happy. Um, I, I guess my question for you, though, Larry, is yeah. I would say in the same way, so that archetype that you've just articulated, the idealist, the utopian, the person who thinks that the world could be or uh, as they're imagining it, uh, yeah, I think that is, uh, let's put me in that character. That's, uh, we're, it's the job of our life's work to go out and build the world that we believe in and try to build the values into actuality that we believe in. But the thing well, I find a bit- so let, me, let me stop you there, right? That's, that's interesting. Uh, you, you'd, you'd say that as if it were an obvious throwaway comment, but there's different ways of formulating it that are very importantly different. Uh, the way you formulated it is, it's, it's our lives work to build the world that we think should exist. I actually think it's our lives work to do something a little bit related to that, but not quite the same. I think that we, we uh, it is our lives work. It is the meaning of life to do as much as we can um, to improve the lives that we can impact. And that's really importantly different. Um, to doing, to to uh, trying to bring into being a um, a system that uh, a a utopian system that we might not understand how to get to from here. You see what I'm saying? I don't see why what I'm saying is different to what you're saying, which is that you 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 like for example. You have, a, you have a vision for how knowledge should be accessible to everyone in a standardizable way, as best quality as possible with as much awareness for the users as possible. Like, I see that as kind of, uh, in, in your own expression, uh, in the internet realm, in the digital realm, very similarly idealistic and painting of a picture and of a vision to- Yeah, but I know how I'm gonna get there. I actually have a plan, um, and and I I can explain every step along the way. And the parts that I don't that I don't have, I'm going to sit down and actually talk through in great detail before I do anything really rash. Um, well, yeah. I, just to be clear, I'm not king of the world, so I, it, the next step right, isn't um, like release yeah. the hounds, open the borders. And <laughs> That's not, that's not my, the... I understand. That's cool. That's cool. I'm enjoying this, by the way. This is very interesting. Yeah, no, and it's nice, it's nice to, uh, like, get some pushback on it as well. I, I think the way I operate, the way I make things in the world is by having an appropriately sized sand pit for each stage of a project. So instead of, I can't do what you do, where maybe you can conceive of the whole plan and the whole system in your mind and then you can actualize it the way i learn is by doing and so when i organize eight of my smart friends and a few hundred bucks of 
finance and we start talking and start making agreements and start doing things on a small scale, that's how I learn. Um, and then once I've done that, then I will know a lot more than I knew two months ago. Um, yeah. And and like I said, work, working on a, you know, I do think that there's a lot to be said for working on a human by human basis as well. Because yeah. when you get to know individuals and you know their stories, it does it does stop you from uh, one from blanketing this whole group like that. And so learning about uh, my friends and their stories and what they want from governments and governance services has helped shape uh, a lot the early stages of, of my thinking around this. I guess my, my um, and I'd, I'd like to think that you, you would appreciate this, that whether, whether this viewpoint and this uh, direction of travel, let's say, ends up being of use to the world or not, what I, the way I view it is, it's an option. I'm trying to create a meaningful option that we can look at as a model and say, do we like it or don't we, rather than just as a completely, on a scale from completely vague to yeah. um, something small scale to see, and then you have to extrapolate out the scale. I want to be part of a story that can say, I'm creating options for how we organize ourselves. And so that you can interrogate it and pull it apart and we can make the idea stronger or in the end decide to throw it away because it doesn't work. But I think yeah. the gap, I see a big enough gap in how we organize ourselves at the moment that it feels like it's worth putting the energy in that direction. I think you're on to something in the following sense that, that um, the, the fact that, that um, governments have um, basically tried to step in for the role of, of um, uh, civil society, um, taking over the roles of, of civic organizations, the roles that they would have paid, played in the past, or churches and so forth, creates a, um, uh, for people like you and me, a real dissatisfaction. Um, and we are similar in this respect, I think, right? Um, that uh, they're not doing everything that they could. Um, and uh, there's still a, a lot of work that still needs to be done. And um, the only way that it really can get done, um, at least as far as we can see, is by pursuing certain kinds of plans to organize people, organize people um, uh, voluntarily to, you know, but then, you know, so your, your, your uh, organization sounds really interesting. I'd like to hear more about it, you know, um, but it, uh, it does sound to me, I, I don't know how I would distinguish it from, from just uh, a, a collectively managed nonprofit, uh, international, uh, international nonprofit. Well, I very think, good. I mean, I think yeah. that's fine in a way because I don't need um, ultimately evidence of of uh, of something beyond that is in its power. I guess in its power to operate. So it's almost yeah. evident if it was to grow beyond that. At the moment, it doesn't even look like an international NGO. Really, it looks like a small club for a few 
people predominantly from Europe. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. So, so I, I, I would say if you actually, I, I kind of agree with you that if we're saying, well, what is it? Um, then it, it, it's a club, it could become an international, it could be acting like an international NGO. I guess what I'm saying is I'm building it with the mindset of that kind of digital global state, even if it was only for a, a hundred or a thousand or 10,000 people globally, it, it's essentially you're trying to act to make those lives more secure and more able to flourish um, as, a, as an additional service to the national services that they receive. In some cases, those national services are pretty damn good. In some cases, they're pretty damn poor, like the country's trying to kill them or, um, or running them out of town. Um, right. And so like for, for me, the rubber hits the road on that with like, say um, another friend that's living in London that is Kurdish and he was born in an Iraqi refugee camp went to Iran, Iraq, neither of them ever gave him citizenship. He did end up smuggling himself to the UK because there was an opportunity to do it. He now, 10 years later, does have some kind of citizenship here. If he oh. got in trouble, like, if he got in trouble with, I don't know, say, the British, the British uh, government, I would want to go and support him because there is no government, there is no nation anywhere that is going to have his back. And I could say, well, that's... Iraq's fault or that's Iran's fault for just not being good nation states but but I don't want to do that he's my friend and I I have friends around the world and I want to be able to provide some protection and services now that you may say oh. and could be fair to say that that could still come under like a NGO kind of bucket um and no I, I, I think I think that uh I, I think there's a, a whole pattern of problems clearly here that need to be solved and that that uh, need to be worked out. Um, and you know, this is with the state, you know, State Department or what do you call the State Department in, in the UK, the uh, the home home uh, ministry. Yeah. Right. Um, I, I so, can't remember the right term. Anyway. Um, home affairs. And and yeah, it's your it's it's or or is there a foreign ministry? Anyway, the the point is that that um, uh, yeah, they need to get their act together, and and um, uh, and until they do, um, then um, yeah, it it just uh, those people uh, rely on their own resources and good friends like yourself. And, um, and uh, ultimately, you know, if, if there's gonna be a, a bunch of people like that, you know, um, not having all the rights that they should have, um, uh, then, I think it's a great thing to for for the resources of uh, civil society to come in and and try to um, make up for the um, the failures of of the systems. Mm -hmm. um, the the thing is, though, I mean, wouldn't your friend, if he wanted to go back to Iraq, would he be able to? Uh... Truth is, I don't 
think he no he can't because even recently when he was talking about now he's got his citizenship um wanting to meet his family he would have to meet them outside i think it was turkey he was looking to meet them um Weird. and i don't understand all the details of it i don't know all the details um all i know is he's he's a friend and he's a guy he's a good writer he's a smart guy and a, somebody you want in your community somebody you want in your society and um he he would be with his family if he could he's been away from them for 10 years and pretty lonely in london so um so it's it's challenging but i think i think where we yeah i think where we probably agree on this is that however big or small the gaps are of the existing system that and whether the gaps get bigger or not remains to be seen there's there is a sense that we can have relationships like even this call right now across the atlantic you know we're having the most robust discussion i've had on this in months and we're just doing it digitally <laughs> um that we can have relationships with people around the world because the technology allows it and on that basis there is a layer of responsibility whether that layer ends up becoming something that we would think of as a global state and mm -hmm. whether that would be a good thing also remains to be seen but i think it's a layer that needs to be i'm happy to be keeping developing it and um and i think it's of value and we'll see how far that rabbit hole goes um the uh i i won't i won't uh take your time with it now but the thing i've been thinking a lot about in the last couple of weeks is a essentially a cryptocurrency backed by trees so we used to back currency by gold as a standard but i think that we we're in such desperate need of um uh, tree planting and reforestation i think it would be very interesting to have a crypto coin that can be infinitely replicable you can have as you can make as much of it as you want actually tied to something um non permanent uh -huh. biological i think it has puts very interesting constraints on the ec economy of, of trees you know if you create the currency around the life of the tree it um it, i think i'm still unpacking and unfolding it but it may be that that becomes the flagship product should we say from this uh beyond nation state world view that i'm i'm kind of holding and that may be something that's more tangible and practical that people can touch and feel and play with that that doesn't feel exact like like a like an ngo or a, a you know a unicef or something mhm mm and uh maybe maybe we'll have a part 2 larry once i get that together and we can tear that one apart okay right that sounds interesting <laughs> okay cool well i have no idea i cannot see how long we've been going for but it feels like we've done a good one uh, a little over 2 hours okay. no way but Or oh, okay almost 2 hours because we started at about uh, 10 I think about 10:40 so wow okay sorry larry that's longer than we planned for i appreciate that's you right. very much um yep. so the main links for people to go and check out are um uh let's see it's knowledgestandards.org larry.org right. yeah i'll put the links that you've mentioned that you've sent to me in below um mm -hmm. people can obviously go check out my links and uh give me new suggestions for other people they want to see uh on new agreements um i think the way you summarized your new agreement uh is really eloquently put and i'll try and pull that out and show that somewhere so people can see it as a 
a snapshot for what it is that you're building and what you want to see in society. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I mean, if you're, if, if, uh, if you do have time to work on, on a, a, a video, um, uh, I, like I say, I, I will uh, be in touch when the time uh, comes. It might be soon. Well, uh, I've been. Absolutely, Larry. I'm, I'm, ple I'm pleased to be of help. I like the mission that you've got. I think it's, uh, I think we will all be better off for it and I can't wait yeah. to use it, frankly. Yeah, me too. Um, oh, I, uh, by the way, I found, if you look in the, in the Zoom group chat, uh, I found the links here. Um, gotcha. Uh, yeah, uh, of the, a couple of the essays that I mentioned there. And you, um, men you mentioned that there's one article you've been writing that you haven't published yet. I, uh, will you will you get that one over the line so we can read that too? Eventually, <laughs> yeah. I I I I really want to. Um, it just keeps expanding, um, and it's also. I know it's going to be picked through with a fine tooth comb by Wikipedians, um, so I want to make sure that I've got it a hundred percent right before I get it out there. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Okay, so let's let's uh, figure out this video thing, and then maybe I don't know. In three six months, we could do another call, and you can uh, we can talk about the currency and where you've got to on building the organization, and um, and how we got on with making that video and stuff. All right, sounds sounds good. Amazing. Very good. Okay, well, thanks very much, and thanks for listening, guys. And we'll see you soon, either on the YouTube channel or on with more of these new agreements. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. It's a real privilege to have that much of Larry's time. There's loads to chew on, loads to think about, lots of work to be done. I'll probably be helping him a bit with communicating his message uh, for his new project. And uh, yeah, stay tuned. We'll be back with you in the next few weeks with another episode of New Agreements.